it's the next level. Warning. The following podcast may contain spoilers. Listener discretion is advised. Primers, and welcome to this issue 114 of the DC Primetime Podcast here on the Next Level Podcast Network. From the Lost Revisited Podcast, I'm going to go with that one this time, uh, Here on the also here on the Next Level Podcast Network, I am Ben Beck. And from the Camping Crew cast of pods, I am Rob Martin. And we are into our summer shows officially as of now as all of the other shows have wrapped for the season supergirl black lightning uh but as you will find out in the news later on in this podcast there are some changes happening that uh we're gonna have to figure out <laughs> when yes. these shows come <laughs> <Yeah>. back <laughs> um i actually have a thought already and i actually prematurely put something up and before i realized facebook was evil and wouldn't resize my images for the poll uh but keep your eyes peeled and i'm going to say this right in the start of the show before the end of the week uh there is going to be a poll pinned on our facebook page which is facebook.com slash dc primetime it will run until the very end of september uh what it's going to be is two options and i want everybody to know this now um i'm sure me and ben I have our personal thoughts and our, our our personal thoughts will still go into the account of when the show is released, but we still want your opinions and that will help sway us one way or the other. Option one, very simple. The show stays on the exact same day. Um, here's the thing. Titan starts in the fall as well. That has been 100% confirmed. Um, there's even some theories right now that Titans is going to be out for anybody that signs up for the beta for DC universe is good. may be available as early as then, or at least for the pilot episode. So that could change our whole idea of what a week is, um, an idea of what a week is. We know the show is 13 episodes, so we'll probably do it episode by episode, not in a big streaming bulk, uh, which means six shows for DC primetime. Yeah, so for at least 13 weeks. For at least 13 weeks, which is a lot of time. Uh-huh. So I want everybody to know that 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 changes things dramatically for us. So it's me and Ben have our normal Sunday morning recordings, which means one show is going to always be a week behind. That would be Supergirl. Um, we kind of looked at that and said that could be a problem. Here's the thing. I will say this, and the, my, the option will be this. The show still gets recorded on Sunday morning for us. You guys still get the show Monday morning. Supergirl will, will be a week behind. In special events such as the crossover, we will make another special recording day to make sure you're getting the full part of the story that week in the episode. You will not have to wait. We will find a way to record it early, whether that's a Thursday night, and we'll just go that way so you guys stay on target with everything or it's so it's not weird uh, if we had to do something like that. 
Um, the alternate is me and Ben record on Thursday nights, which means if one of me or me or Ben have a bad week and something happens and gets in the way of that Thursday recording the show will not get recorded until Sunday. So that means you're going to wait probably close to four days for an episode. Well, I think, uh, I think what the, so, op- the option with that too is all of the shows have aired by Tuesday, um, which gives us, you know, Wednesday night to watch, which is why we were record Thursday, but there's also right. the option that, um, there might be occasions with this, and this is just again. There's there's double sides of the sword to both. Um, yeah, you know the uh, the option with this with with two is that you know with option one, if we record on Sundays as we usually do, our schedules don't change, which is what we've been used to for the past three years. Uh, we're just a day behind. We're just a week behind on one of the six shows we're going to be covering, as as you mentioned. With this option two. All of the shows have aired by Tuesday, which means by Wednesday we're watching everything. We might, if we have a good week where we've kept up with everything, you know, where Monday night we've watched Supergirl, Tuesday night we've watched the shows that air on Monday, Wednesday night we're able to knock out these shows early enough that we could actually record Wednesday night, we're a day ahead. Um, it, just because of how many shows we're going to have to watch. I don't see that happening that often. So you're right. It's going to have to be a Thursday night recording. Right. Because I, I, I personally can't don't think my, in my life that I will be able to manage that. Like no, Thursday night would be the only night that ex- I could even consist of. Especially with just five shows, yeah. you know, without not even counting Titans, which is now in, thrown into the mix. Um, but it also gives us the option of. If for some reason there is a week we don't have a life, we could do it on a Friday as well and still release just a day later on Saturday. Right. Um, but, but that's 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 that will be I will say this, this that the chance of recording on a Friday is going to be insanely oh, rare. Oh, yeah. But yeah, same with the Saturday, which is like I said, it makes this like I said, this whole lineup change. And now I throwing a six show in. Because yeah. the more and more I see from Titans, I'm like, there's no way I do not want to not cover this. Oh, agreed. Agreed completely. So. But also out with that option, too, you know, the way we've been doing things now with all the shows starting on Monday is we've been recording on Sunday, releasing Monday morning. It's been a limited time that we've given listeners to listen to the podcast before the next show starts. So on one hand, they might have already been a week behind on Supergirl anyway, if they didn't get to listen to the podcast until Tuesday. Yeah. Um, but it, with option two, if we record on Thursday and release on Friday, they now have more time to listen before the shows start. Right. So, so it, it, there's it's, a lot there, of different things going on with this. Right. That and, and it's and it, again, it, it, as, I, as I put it, there's positives on both sides. If we have to if we're doing Sundays and we have to delay, that means you get the show on Tuesday because we always are usually able to record really easily mon- like Monday night. It's just I, I, I do. I am. I do have a concern. I think for all of you guys is if, you know, you guys are used to a specific day, Thursday, if something goes wrong on a Thursday, because that's in my brain, the only night that's going to work mentally, personally, in, in, in my life and Ben's life um, as a set recording time for us, because if it's a floating day, the last thing I want is a weird scattered release for you guys. You're like, yeah. when does this show come out anymore? You know, well, now um, the other the other downside to this that I'm just right. thinking of, too, is if we keep things on regular schedule and we're a week behind on Supergirl, there have been instances where things have come up with us on Sundays where we ha- we would have to push off and record Monday night, which if that happens again, uh, which it's bound to happen, let's not be, you know, unrealistic about it. We're now going to be three shows behind a week. 
for the audience rather than just Supergirl. Right. And so there's a lot of there's a lot of tricky things this, with this. So we'll put the, that poll up. Probably expect that by the end of the week, it'll be a pinned post, which means anytime you visit our page, just make sure that you check that pinned post section. Put your vote in. Um, it'll be a single vote per person. Like I said, we'll let it run to the end of September. Me and Ben will make a decision before the show's air in October. Yes. So um, and we'll make sure it's announced. But I will we'll remind folks on there when it's up. You know, I'll make a graphic and everybody can see exactly how it functions. So please give your opinion. Um, and then Ben and I will put our heads together before the end and figure out what's best. The show is not going anywhere. And no. we do apologize. I know we did take uh, we've only ever missed three shows in the history of this show. Um, and two of them were in the last like couple of weeks. Um, that's just because of life. So well, I mean, but you yeah. you know what, though? You consider we've been doing this show for just under three years. Right. That's one day a year we have missed. We have yeah. put out a weekly show every week mm-hmm. since we started, with the exception of three. So one, you know, that's what? 150, 100, 156 weeks, and we've missed three. Yeah. That's yeah, which a is, pretty damn good track record. That's a good record. So I think we're doing okay. So, But we do appreciate you guys kind of understanding this. We just... Sometimes you just need to take a tiny little break, and even if it's just for a week. But like I said, we're not going anywhere. Um, it, it, it's just holidays and recharging, and sometimes it's just, it feels good. Um, and it gave us some time to watch two movies that we're going to talk about today. Yeah, absolutely. Um, real quick, while we're on the topic, two other things. Uh, mm-hmm. Just so you know, after this week, this week, as Rob just mentioned, we are going to break down and review two of the DC animated films that have come out over the course of the past couple months, that being Batman Ninja and the death of Superman. And boy, do we have opinions on both. And yes, we do. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but also, um, starting next week, I think we're going into our annuals. Yes. Um, and I, man. <laughs> um, so for the next five weeks, uh, we are going to be giving you our complete season recaps and rundowns, uh, you know, which we're going to include our favorite characters, least favorite characters, favorite episodes, least favorite episodes, favorite moments, and least favorite moments from uh, Black Lightning, Supergirl, Flash, Arrow, and Legends of Tomorrow. So mm-hmm. um, we usually have fun with these, but it's yeah, yeah. It, you have to remember, too, as listeners, it's a lot of work for us because we are basically picking and choosing different episodes that we're going to watch uh, so that we can it, we're basically cramming an entire season into a week even less than that because we're going to try and record I think two to three annuals a week right which is going to so. be really challenging mm-hmm. but we're you guys are still going to get them every week but we're going to try and push the recording schedule a little bit so that's it's a little right. easier for us. We'll pr- we'll probably do one of just record one annual next week and the following week try to maybe record like three and have them prepped. So, because yeah. um, me and Ben are actually going to try to enjoy our summer a little bit this year. So if yeah. that means you know <laughs> we'll we'll, tr- we'll figure out how the news will cycle into those. If we're just going to release them as annuals and maybe get together and record a small little news bit. Either that uh, or just we add in. Either that or we just swap off weeks and one week I take the news and the next week you take the news and we just throw them into the podcast. Yeah. So like I said, it'll be a little bit of a shakeup this week, but I think this is just purely uh we're, we're going to enjoy our summer, but we'll make sure you guys still get the up, uh, weekly updated news in every episode. And um 
you know, you'll still get the normal annuals from us, same as usual. So, yeah. um, so like I said, and then after that, we're already in the mix of planning some really fun, fun uh, episodes for the letter like later part of the. Uh, this summer, so beforehand, uh, we've got plenty of good content. I can definitely say that. Absolutely. Uh, one final thing, and then I know we'll push on because I know some. We have some stuff that we both have to do today. Um, we have a new feature for the Next Level Podcast Network, Rob. I don't even know if you saw. Yeah, this. I saw, and I love this. So I, I, I man, <laughs> I, I'm excited already. Uh, we have a new page on Facebook that uh, we did share, and I'm waiting. We have to get a certain. You have to get a certain amount of likes on Facebook before you can create uh, an address for something. So uh, we're we're not to that point yet. So we encourage you to go to the Facebook page for DC Prime Time, which is Facebook.com/slash DC Prime Time. Look for this. We'll make this the pinned post until. Um, that the poll is up, but, uh, we have a viewing room, which is kind of cool. I have a, a new program on my computer that allows me to stream television shows, movies, comedy specials, all that stuff. So you're going to see a lot of different stuff viewed on that page. Uh, like yesterday we, I showed Joe versus the volcano on the, in the viewing room. Which I was, love that movie. So it is such a dumb movie, but such a great movie. And I initially tested it on my own personal page when I streamed about an hour and a half of Looney Tunes on Saturday morning. Which, which was really cool. But the cool thing about this is, like for the Lost podcast, you're going to see Lost viewing parties where we're going to watch episodes together. My host, my co-host Kristen and I will be in the chat room as the two episodes that we're going to talk about for the week are going to air. But the cool thing about this with DC Primetime is we can do this for like these DC animated movies. We could have a viewing of Batman Ninja where all of you join us and we can be in the chat talking to you as we're watching together. Or, you know, a crossover episode. I, I could play Christ on Earth X in there and for two hours we could just sit in there and chat and watch this movie together oh man this would be fun to do for the premieres if everybody wants wants to get together for some of these premieres the day after to watch together um, yeah. which would be a really cool way to do some of these oh, there's, actually, way, there's ways for so. me to do live television in here too oh that's wonderful so, so there's a lot cool. of cool stuff that we could do so for right now um until we figure out some stuff to do with this on the DC primetime aspect, uh, we encourage you to go uh, like the page and follow it because if you do, you'll get notifications anytime the page goes live and the page could be live with anything from, like I said, Looney Tunes, uh, you know, uh, what lurks behind podcast zero which is paul williams's podcast he was using i i set him up with the the program that i use well i didn't set him up i told him about it and he streamed last night he streamed at a, a horror award show from like 1990 uh like an old vhs copy of a horror award show so you're gonna see stuff from him you're gonna see stuff from lost you're gonna see stuff from us it's a really cool new feature that we have that i'm really excited to do stuff with oh yeah that's it's got my brain churning so oh, maybe yeah. a uh, we'll, we'll maybe we'll pick a night where it'll always be the DC primetime night uh, that you can always jump in and, yeah. and ch- check out DC stuff from us. So and that'd even, be cool as hell. And even cooler, if we're together and we have a computer webcam, uh, we can do like the little picture in picture at the bottom of the two of us doing like live speaking commentary. That's awesome. Oh, I'm, that's great. I love it. I, I can't <laughs> wait to talk to you more about that because, yep. uh, man, I got man, guys. I think we, we guys and gals, not not just guys. Uh, but yeah, we'll we'll definitely do some cool stuff with that. So. We will. So uh, just look for the post at the top. It's it'll be pinned to the next level page or to the DC Primetime Facebook page. Uh, go give it a like, and yeah, we'll see what we're gonna do with that. So before we get into the movies, I've got a third thing I want to review <laughs> okay. really quickly. Okay, very quickly. 
Um, so I had the great pleasure of two things. Uh, I entered a contest uh, right around E3 that I completely forgot about. And I ended up winning a $250 gift card to Best Buy, which I was pretty shocked. And I'm like, I don't know what to do with this because there's nothing really I want at the moment. But I was like, you know what? I always wanted a PlayStation VR, but I didn't Uh-oh. want to spend the money for it. So I now have a PlayStation VR that I didn't have to spend actual real money for. So, <laughs> um, Which means I played something I've been itching to play nonstop, which is Batman Arkham VR, um, which is made by Rocksteady, the guys that made Arkham uh, City, you know, well, Arkham Asylum, Arkham City, Arkham Knight. Um, and... Man, so let me tell you guys really quickly a little bit. Um, I have almost fully completed it, um, and I won't give any spoilers for those of you that have been thinking about picking this up uh, down the road uh, because there is some interesting story stuff in this. Um, But I will say, uh, as far as the experience goes, it is quite unique uh, and quite impressive. Uh, The game starts in a very simplistic way where you are in Wayne Manor walking around. And I can't quite tell. I think this is pre-Arkham um, Knight, I think, is when this all goes down. Uh, and uh, and it seems like very, very early on beforehand. Or it could be after, because there's some weird story inconsistencies that make it kind of tricky to figure out exactly when this happens. So in the process of this, you, the game starts and you're walking, or not even walking, but you're just in Wayne Manor and kind of like the study. And there you see a big piano. You see the red phone, uh, like the classic red phone from like Batman 1966, which is kind of fantastic. Uh, and then a couple of random other things. You see a giant model of the city that you're used to seeing that in actual the Arkham games as far as seeing the full layout of the city. Uh, and then there's a 3D representation where you can actually pick up buildings and move things around kind of like a little mini puzzle, uh, which was really kind of cool. Um, you could actually open up the piano and play the keys. Uh, pick up the phone and listen to voicemails like you pick it up and you get a voicemail from Vicky Vale, all these little things. And it's interesting because even as you do this, when you grab the top of the phone and pick up the receiver and put it to your ear, it actually knows it's the spatial 3D audio. So if you put your hand up to your head, you hear the phone really clearly. You move it away a little bit uh, and it starts to get muted. So they do a beautiful job with this. Uh, and then, you know, Uh, Alfred's there kind of talking to you briefly and says, hey, sir, there's some situations that are going on. Uh, And he hands you a key and you take the key, unlock the piano and you play a couple keys. And then all of a sudden the piano slides away and the floor opens up and you start getting lowered into caves. Um, And as you're getting lowered down, like the visuals that you're personally seeing, you're getting this gorgeous 3D representation of you dropping into these tunnels that looks so realistic and so insane. And it, you just get this sense of, oh, my God, I'm going into the Batcave. Um, <laughs> and then you get this giant like, kind of pod that you see if you've ever played the Arkham games where the suit is at. And you get the Mark 7 suit for, for uh, you know, the Bat suit. So you get to, so you touch the suit itself. And then it, you know, it appears on your body and then you fall down a little bit lower in the elevator. And then two cylinders come out that you grab with your hands, which you actually have to reach out, you know, use the triggers on the PlayStation Move controllers and twist them. And all of a sudden, these little containers go over your forearms and break away. And you're wearing the gauntlets. Then you drop down even lower. Then it's the cow. You literally have to pick up the cow and put it towards your face. And then it drops down even further. And then you see a mirror and you see yourself as Batman. Everything you do. Between head turns, 
hand movements, all is represented exactly in one one. Uh, it is such an amazing experience. And then you get batarangs, you know, a forensic scanner, uh, the grappling gun, and then you have to do tests with all them. And then you eventually get lowered fully into the Batcave. And of course, the giant penny is there. The giant T-Rex is there. And you're going through trying to solve, uh, a, you know, a mystery of what happened to Nightwing and Robin. You don't know where they are in the city and they're just MIA. Uh, but in, in this, you get to see random little things like, you know, you get to click on files from, you know, Arkham City and, you know, Arkham Asylum. And they'll show you 3D representations of the villains that you fight in those games or that you're confronted with. Um, they also even have a little Riddler section where there's five different or I think it's like, sorry, four Riddler puzzles. Do you actually have to piece together like 3D puzzles that you actually have to rotate the pieces by hand? And connect them together to make objects just for fun. And man, it's so awesome. And then eventually you do get it out into the city uh, in different sections. And for the movement for this, you're really kind of porting around, which is pretty common in most VR. Since it's very difficult to walk around when you don't have full room scale. But it does work really wonderfully here. I will say I did have a moment where my hands were just sweating profusely. As I'm in a situation <laughs> with a penguin on the top of a building and you're looking down and it is just plummeting streets like you're like hundreds of stories up and like your heart's racing because you're like, oh, my God, this is I, I'm, I'm Batman and I'm on this top of this gargoyle looking down over the city. And I seriously feel like I could fall to my death at this moment. <laughs> um, and uh, but like, honestly, it was I, it blew me away. I was so incredibly, incredibly amazed on the attention to detail, how great everything felt, um, and the connection to the Arkham games, which I think are some of the best superhero games ever made. Um, but I will say, uh, without going into too much more about the plot and things that happen, because th- after that point, it gets kind of spoilery. Um, but I will say, you do get to piece together uh, murders and stuff using the forensic scanner. Uh, you go to go into the morgue, use the scanner to look through people's bones to try to piece together a bomb that went off, and parts of the the, the you know the bomb itself are actually in some of the victims to the point where you scan them, find them, and then actually do a three D representation, very like Minority Report, very much like Tony Stark in you know the Marvel universe, what you see there, and you get to do all that by hand, and it's such a just thrilling thrilling experience and it's it was a lot longer than i anticipated i know it's only a 20 dollar title but i think it was a good hour hour and a half long um but it was for that 20 bucks it was almost better than going to a movie were you you able to do it all in one sitting because i know when it comes to vr and stuff like that like i had the google vr uh and such and there's only a limited time before i could do it before my senses just started to get like um, after I got to, and I after stop. I got to the after I got to the building um, I where I was looking over um, I had to take a break so I played for about forty five minutes and then um, stopped and then came back to it and finished it. Okay, all right, so, so two cities, was, which isn't bad. No, and I, honestly, like I said, you know, it's it it's the same reason. It was um, at that point I was like, okay, I really need a break. I've been in this space a little too long, and I've been in so many places and locations and scenarios that I was starting to lose focus of where I was in my house. <laughs> so yeah, um, and that's what it really <laughs> exactly. boiled down to. It started to mess with my head just a little bit, and I'm like, okay, it's it's a good time to take a break. And I think that's the big thing with VR is knowing when it when to stop. Um, yeah. And um, 
but I will say it was I felt like Batman and it, that was one of the coolest experiences I've ever had. The second best I've already had with PlayStation VR was flying an X-Wing during right before the the, um, the film Rogue One, uh, which was um, outstanding, which was uh, also another one. So that's cool. Yeah, it, it sounds like a really cool experience. I know Pete, I very rarely I'm more of an Xbox person. I have both. Actually, I have three consoles. I have PlayStation 4, Xbox One, and I have my Switch. Um, I'm right there with you. <laughs> and, and, I, so. and I actually end up playing my Switch more than I end up playing my PlayStation now, uh, which just goes to show you I, I very rarely even touch my Switch. So I, I, my PlayStation is on all the time, but it's usually because that's how I watch Plex. That's how I watch Netflix, you know, in, in my bedroom because that's it's my streaming media in there too. Uh, my Xbox, I play more often one because I have it in my bedroom, but I can also stream it directly to my PC out in my living room. So I I can play it pretty much anywhere in my house. Um, and there's more game options for me on Xbox than that. And so VR was never anything I really was too interested in, but between hearing about that now it's not enough. I'm not going to go out and, and spend the money on, on PlayStation VR. I still don't think I want it, but, um, you know, between that and I think wasn't there also a game where you're on the bridge of a starship through Star Trek? Yes. It's called, uh, like bridge, bridge crew bridge. I was thinking bridge commander, but bridge crew. Yeah. That's yeah, it's another. Bridge crew and it's an online game too. So you're teaming up with anybody that has vibe or Oculus, um, and you all can work together and basically everybody takes a role and you're actually completing objectives as a starship crew. And it's traditional. It's the traditional uh, Star Trek you know, group. So you're on the original Enterprise, like yeah. the Kirk Enterprise. They just released a DLC now that is uh, uh, the next gen bridge. So where you now have uh, the next gen Enterprise. So a little bit different and a little bit more advanced. So and, and see, that's another thing I would play had I had VR. Yeah, um, there's a ton of good stuff out there right now. Um, it, it's really has built up dramatically. And um, I apparently picked it up at the perfect time because this week and next uh, they're doing the, you know, the half year sale on PlayStation. Oh, which, yeah, there's a massive sale going on, on PlayStation right now. And uh, a ton of VR stuff went on sale for like some of that stuff. They're cheap and they've given away some of those games already in um, PlayStation Plus. So uh, it was really phenomenal because I already had a really robust lineup. And for I think like 40 or 50 bucks. I ended up picking up some, you know, a large, large group of VR titles that I'm really just excited to play. So yeah. it was a, it was a perfect time. So, but yeah, uh, you know, high marks. If I were to score it, I would give uh, Batman Arkham VR a legend. Uh, I'd probably give this a 8.5 uh, nice. right now, and I think it was well deserving, uh, worth every penny that it. You know, they're, they requested for the 1999. It's on sale pretty frequently. Um, if you're a fan of the Arkham games and you happen to have a VR headset. Uh, 100% recommend uh, without a question and one of the coolest experiences I think you can have. That's cool. Yeah, it's funny because you're you've been stuck in Arkham lately and I've been stuck on Les Cinco Mertes <laughs> playing <laughs> yeah. Jurassic World, Jurassic World Evolution, which has been a lot of fun, too. Uh, all right, let's knock out these films. Uh, so basically what we're going to do, uh, is we're going to treat these just like episodes of the show in where we're going to give each of them our one, two, three point ranking being a sidekick hero or a legend, except we're going to go a step further and we're going to give it a one through 10 as well. So one through four, no, one through three is sidekick four through seven is hero and eight through 10 is legend. Uh, and then we'll, we'll give them our rankings and then we'll break them down a little bit and what we liked and what we didn't like about the movies starting first, uh, which was the first one that came out between the two this one came back out in april 
I believe April. Yep. Uh, yep, April 24th was the digital release of this one. And then it was released in physical formats May 8th and theatrically in Japan June 15th. That was Batman Ninja. So <laughs> on our scale, what do you give this one? Sidekick. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for that Bruce Campbell quote. Yeah, I love that movie. As do I, Sky High. I did not like this movie, but I loved Sky High. <laughs> Uh, yeah, well, uh, one to ten. So uh, Sidekick gonna... is, is a one through three, so. Yeah, uh, I'm giving this a two. <laughs> it's, okay. I despise this movie. Um, <laughs> I, I will tell you all about it when we break down our review, so. Uh, no, I'm right there with you. It's a sidekick for me. I gave it a three. It's just, it's, it's not good. Um, it made, it made me want to punch a casting director, like, <laughs> and the actor that portrayed a specific character, like, brutally, and I'm like, what? Why? This was such a bad call. Um, so, yeah, uh, it, it's and I think the downside, too, for this movie that doesn't help it at all is that, um, you know, and we'll get this into this more in the review. But just briefly, you know, this movie was a Japanese made film. Uh, so it had originally a Japanese cast. And when it came over here and they brought in the audio, uh, you know, the, the American cast, while they did pull a lot of traditional people that have worked in a lot of these projects before, one casting choice specifically was a massive misstep that really hurt this movie dramatically. You know what, though? That casting aside, uh, and again, we'll get into more detail about it when we're breaking it down. That casting aside, the movie still was not good. Oh, no, no. <laughs> it was it was a casting decision that made a bad movie far worse. And yeah. that, I'll, I'll put it that way. Yes, I agree. Uh, but the other movie that we have as well on top of that is The Death of Superman, which was the more recent of all the films released on... Oh, I'm looking at the comic book version. So I, um, I think it was relatively... It was just in the last few weeks. It's, I think it just came out on physical media in the past week. Yeah, yeah. Um, it, and I think it was released online a little earlier than expected, or it leaked online a little earlier than expected, because that's when we got our hands on it. Um, but yeah, so uh, giving the ranking to this one, Sidekick Hero or Legend 1 to 10, what do you give this one? Um, I'm, I'm going to definitely say that, oh, uh, did you, you didn't give your score for the last one. Yes, I did. I said a three. Oh, three, three. Yep. Okay. Um, I... I would say the death of Superman. I'm going to give this a legend. Um, I actually really thought this was great because they actually had to do this story based on the current DC animated slate and the way that they set up starting Justice League War. Um, So there's a lot they had to cover. And I think they did a beautiful job and added a really great element to this that kept it in that legend territory while still giving us that classic story slightly kind of twisted to fit in this new animated universe. So uh, I'm going to definitely give this uh, give this a legend. Um, I'm going to give this an eight. OK, yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, I'm giving this uh, oh, man. I'm torn because you meant you just mentioned something that is kind of my only issue with it and that it was adapted for this current slate and not kept traditional, um, which I'll go into more detail about. It doesn't mean that I didn't enjoy it. Uh, I would have much rather this have been like an actual animated com an animated movie of the traditional death of Superman. Um, again, go in more details when we break it down. So my ranking, I'm going to give it a hero. It's a, it's a very high hero. It's a 7.5. It's, it's right there on the cusp of legend. Mm-hmm. They, there's something different they could have done with it that would have well 
put it into like I would have given it a nine had they done it, and um, but they didn't, and but I still very much enjoyed it. So I'm gonna give it like a seven point five. So it's a hero for me. Yeah. So, okay. Let's jump back to Batman Ninja. Let's break that down. Let's let's oh, go. Oh why? Um, I don't have. A, <laughs> I have a feeling this is not going to take us very long. Uh, I don't know. I could get kind of ranty maybe on this one. We'll find out. So, uh, but yeah. So the 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 casting that we and it's weird because when you when you look this up, if you Google search IMDb Batman Ninja, it does not give you the American casting. It gives, it gives you, the you Japanese some, casting. but yeah, yeah, it gives you some, but not all. It, it's very weird. So, but if you do the Wikipedia version, you get the full rundown. And there was a number of people who do a number of roles. Uh, Yuri Lowenthal, the, you know, Damian Wayne, Robin, Jason Todd, Red Hood. Uh, I think there's even no, that was it. Um, uh, Roger Craig Smith, who I'm not too familiar with, did the voice of Batman, Superman. Uh, not Batman, not Superman. Uh, Batman Bruce Wayne. He he has voiced Batman before in other direct-to-video projects, so it's not like it was anything new for him. And of course, uh, we got Tara Strong doing both Poison Ivy and Harley Quinn. But oh uh, and then Greg Griffin too. Uh, or uh, a lot of people know her as Gray Delisle doing Catwoman, which worked great here. You know, uh, yeah, I think Eric Bowser was in this. I mean, we had a really, really. Yep. Really wonderful cast of, of voice actors, and then Will Friedle came. Yeah, Will Friedle came back and did uh, Tim Drake again, which was a, a, a lot of fun. But yeah, uh, yeah, and everybody knows. Or I think it's a uh, yeah. He's you know Terry McGinnis from Batman Beyond. Yeah, uh, you know it, he was perfect casting for Tim Drake. And then there's Tony Hale. Oh God, good old Buster Bluth, uh, and the Volkswagen commercial, Mister Roboto. <laughs> you know. Uh, <laughs> You know, classic commercial that a lot of us remember very, you know, very clearly. Um, But man, um, I got to say, Tony Hale was not a good choice for the Joker. Um, Do you know it it, it did not work whatsoever and it was painful. It was really painful. Within the first two minutes of hearing the Joker, I was already turned off from this movie and I, I heard. Tara Strong has such a distinctive voice that you know it's Tara Strong when you're listening to Harley Quinn. And the moment Joker starts talking, my brain started like banging on the outside of my skull trying to get out. And like I'm listening to this voice. I'm like, I know this voice. It's not the Joker. I know this voice. I know it's not the Joker. Who the hell is it? And I had to look it up. Oh, yeah. Within a minute, I'm like. Oh, that's Buster. Oh, God, no. I'm like, well, why would they do this? Because, like, there's certain moments, and all I could see was Buster Bluth dressed up as the Joker for this <laughs> entire thing. And it made this so bad in my brain. And I'm like, and I love Tony Hale. I've never me watched too. a project that made me hate a actor <laughs> like this. Um, and I, you know, like, again, it, it's not a personal thing like it was just kind of like oh no please don't do this it just wasn't please. a good match it wasn't a right match it was just uh wh- whoever chose the casting for this just um this was a big misstep um yeah. it was just kind of like oh no please tony don't do this you're so much better than this please don't do this <laughs> and it was it was so uh-huh. it was done so over the top like you could it, tell it was it you- was it was it was it, you know what it kind of felt like it felt like buster bluth giving and it, uh, you know, his version of a C- the Cesar Romero Joker, and that's kind of what it felt like. But taking a little bit of like the Super Friends one and meshing it together, and I'm like, oh god, don't, don't, please don't. 
Well, it felt like he was kind of channeling a bunch of different ones. You mentioned the Cesar Romero one. You mentioned the Justice, uh, like the the Super Friends version. But there, there was even a little bit of Hamill version in there too. Yeah, he was channeling too many different versions for this version of the Joker. Whereas I probably would have been okay with it had he cast this and done it and made it his own. Yeah. Instead of being this over the top version. But he was probably and again, this is kind of in defense of Tony Hale. He he was probably given this direction that this is what they wanted him to do with this. Yeah, no, it's very true. And I mean, like I said, he's like an incredibly, incredibly talented actor. Uh, and his comedic timing, and if you've ever seen, if you've watched Arrested Development or any other project he's involved in, uh, his comedic timing is flawless. I mean, this he is one of the funniest actors that does not get a lot of credit for his craft. And uh, he really deserves it. But uh, this was, I think... Uh, Again, just the wrong casting and the wrong, you know, voice voice actor direction uh, for this actor to do this role. And I think that's that's really where it boils down to. And it really kind of depends sometimes, too, on the way that voiceover is done. If this was a, a group collaborative effort where they're all in the room together and able to play off of each other or where they brought in one by one to record one, you know, solo, which a lot of times that does indeed happen which does change performances. Yeah, and I have not, a feeling like 90, this, was, this was one of those moments. 90% of the time, they're they're separate. Um, mm-hmm. You know, you look at the cast of Archer, a lot of them are all from, they all live in different parts of the country, so they have to record separately. And a lot of times that happens. There's really, there's only one instance in my mind I can think of where two of the voice actors were in the room together playing off together. And it's actually something that makes the movie absolutely wonderful. And that was the the animated film Road to El Dorado with Kenneth Brenna and Kevin Klein. And there's behind the scenes footage of the two of them in the room together, just playing off of each other, doing these voice characters. And it, it works. It makes, again, that movie wonderful in my eye. So you do something like this, as you mentioned, he's probably given a certain direction. He's also probably not in the room with any of the other actors. Yeah. So Well, it's, it, it's a shame because a lot of the old properties, Warner Brothers stuff specifically is group, group records. Like, you know, Animaniacs, uh, you know, Batman, the animated series, you know, Justice League were all, you know, collaborative single ones. And then you go into some other fun projects like Animaniacs that was done that way, too. Yeah. Uh, you know, and, and it, uh, you know, Futurama is another show that does that or did that. And it, 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 it you can tell when you have, you know, the episode playing that these actors were playing off of each other as things were happening because everything just feels perfectly. Yeah. South Park is another one where they, they, they record in the studio together. Uh, South Park, it's a lot easier because it's two guys doing most of the voices. Right. But you're right. I mean, and it's, um, cause there's a phenomenal documentary, uh, six Uh, days, six days air, six days air. And, uh, I know that voice is another good one too. If you love VO. So, yeah, so uh, you're right. I think this probably would have been a little better. Uh, maybe the character, his portrayal of Joker would have come over across a little better if there were other people in the room. But I'm just not sure that was the case with this. Yeah, it definitely wasn't the case. You know, I think he did the best with the, the material that was given to him. Um, but it, it was it was a uh, it was a rough, rough Joker to listen to, especially for a character that's so prevalent through this entirety of the story and has so much dialogue um, that you're just like, please, this. Does make this end, but it doesn't help that the story was even worse. Uh, oh, it was oh God. I mean, you know, the premise of this and like I was really kind of interested when this whole thing started because it's, you know, you're in Gotham City, you know, you're you're dealing with everything here and you're 
it's Batman fighting Grodd in Arkham Asylum. And all of a sudden, this this the quake machine goes off and they get transported back to feudal Japan. And when Bruce gets there and wakes up, he realizes he got there like two years later, you know, and they're already the Industrial Revolution has happened in full because that works like that. Uh, and you're like, oh, my God, I'm like, OK, we're going to have to kind of stretch this a little bit. And I'm like, OK, I'm OK with this. I'm still OK with this. And then Tony Hale comes in. I'm like, oh, I'm not OK with this. Um, <laughs> um, and then just the plot unfolding of. You know, you have all of these classic villains, now parts of all these different daimyos in, in, in feudal Japan kind of warring with each other where you have, you know, Penguin has one, uh, Poison Ivy has one, Deathstroke has one, Two-Face has one, Grodd's kind of out of the picture and Joker has taken over the the Ar- Arkham Castle uh, now at this point. Um, so... It was like, okay, this is kind of an interesting setting. You know, Bruce still has all these things. Alfred happens to still be there because he happened to be in and around, you know, you know, Arkham Asylum when this machine went off. He, he was in the Batmobile waiting was, for Batman. Yeah. yeah. So all these things are happening. And I'm like, okay, I'm, I'm still fine with this. And then as things just progress and you're like, hey, every one of the previous Robins is in this as well. And you look at some of the characters, characters' character designs in this. And they definitely take a lot from anime here. And I think some of the look designs looked really great. I think some of the character designs in this were incredibly strong. Uh, and then there's some that were incredibly terrible. Yeah. And <laughs> yeah. there was not a good happy 50. It was it was it was a 50 50 where the moment you're watching this, like this is really beautiful. And then somebody says something and <laughs> you're like, this is really bad and hokey and cheesy. Uh, and I will say this. I'm a person that really loves anime. Ben, I don't know your take on that. Uh, you know, and that's and that was one of the things I wanted to bring up, too, is that I've just never been an anime fan. And it's it. I have nothing against it. It's just that there's certain styles of different things that some people love and some people hate. I know you and a bunch of our other friends are really big into like anime, everything from, you know, like Pokemon and, and stuff to, you know, these really deep cut anime films. Uh, the only the closest thing to anime. I have really ever seen and really ever kind of even liked were the heavy metal films. Mm-hmm. So uh, that's really my only forte into anime. So I'm not a big, again, it's nothing against it. It's just a style that I'm just not too crazy about. So uh, going into this, I was already going into a film that was drawn in a style that I'm just not, I'm just not a huge fan of. So it, it that was already kind of a big turnoff. And I know it was, it, uh, you know, this was a Japanese film that they adapted for Americans, uh, you know, for an English version. So uh, there were just times I was watching it and I'm like, this is kind of ridiculous at points. Um, you know, that I mentioned this when we were doing show prep. Uh, you know, th- there's Arkham Castle in which at one moment, like a hand comes out and just like slaps Batman around. I'm like okay, I, I kind of understand why they're doing this because of the style, but I don't really get it. And then there, <laughs> there's that moment towards the end of the film as well. Now, there's a couple other things that are similar to Japanese that were adapted. Like, I was, growing up, I was a big fan of Mighty Morphin Power Rangers, which was a Japanese show that they adapted for American. Voltron was one that I watched too, which I guess is kind of, sort of It's, it's, it's anime. definitely anime. It is okay. anime, yep. Uh, and there, there's the new version that I still want to check out just because of the nostalgia. Which is, 
Oh my god, it's fantastic. I heard it is. I've heard from multiple people and it's going to be a summer watch. So it's I'm getting to it. I just I'm trying to get caught up on other stuff first. And you know, so I guess there are a couple things that were growing up I was into as anime. I'm just not really into that really deep cut kind of oh, yeah. anime stuff. And, and uh, you know, I don't watch stuff too frequently, but I you know, I have my favorite series anime-wise and one of them is Roroni Kenshin, which is the samurai show. Um which set, I've never even heard of. <laughs> um and if you are an anime fan, Kenshin is kind of one of those things that a lot of people hold near and dear to their hearts because it's a beautiful beautiful story and and just absolutely stunning to watch. Um and when you go into a sh- something like this, you're like, okay, well, please just kind of do this right and don't fall into anime tropes left and right. And man, this is all this movie was. <laughs> and it they was fall anime into tro- anime tropes left it and was, right. It was anime trope after anime trope. But the problem was they were all done poorly, like really, really poorly. And there was no way around it. It was just anything you expected out of an anime like – or like a traditional anime from like way back in the day, like more like so in the 80s versus like the big trend where things started changing and it was taken a lot more seriously. Like, uh, you know, uh, I would say like mid 90s, you know, like you have Damien, Damien Wayne running around in this and he has a I think it's like Munchie or something like that, like this little pet monkey. Uh-huh. And I'm like, <laughs> kind of like I was speed racer. And you're like, you're looking at this and like, yeah, it makes sense because Damien Wayne loves animals. Like he's, you know, it's always been his big thing in the comics. Like he is this kid that's a vegetarian. You know, he's this bruiser, but this is his soft side is all of the all of his pets. He has a bat cow, for Christ's sake, in the comic books, um, you know, and like he's an endearing character because of that. But they took that idea, adapted it into the anime world and made it dumb like really dumb (laughs) (laughs) that's the best and nicest way i can put it uh but one of the other things they do in this story though which is really bizarre is they do an animation shift in this movie for a sequence that looks horrendous and it it looks so out of place it looks so out of place and it reminded me of another project they did years ago called batman uh it was called i think it was like gotham knights um, it's another DC animated movie that they did years and years ago, which was multiple anime directors all doing short vignettes that were Batman related. Uh, so they were done in anime style, but they were all done in different styles because it was meant to be different directors telling their own unique stories of, with Batman and one rogue. And it worked well there. It's still not the best out of the animated ones. I would actually probably put it on a lower tier, but that was I understood why there was animation shifts. It sounds a lot like Animatrix. Yeah, it, that's it, that's what it was. It was the okay. people that made Animatrix did that. Okay, uh, and it's actually there's sequences in there that are really quite good and quite fun. Um, and when you do a movie like this, it felt like they're like they were trying to be super artsy just for artsy's sake. When they introduced us to the Red Hood, and you know Harley and Joker have there's a moment where it seems like they're they get killed, uh, which you know is not true because it never works out that way. No, um, and Jason Todd is roaming the fields, kind of being the intel person. I and mean, we don't see him until this moment. And he shows up kind of as looking like this monk. Uh, and they play up the old classic Red Hood style hood with like using the like the old monk's hoods. And it looks super stupid. Uh, and he, he just does not look. It's not a good character design. Um, and he comes upon a farmer 
and a person he's like this is clearly harley and joker and he's like i'm just gonna kill them because it's jason todd because that's what jason todd would do and batman shows up no 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 don't kill them they've forgotten everything about themselves and i'm like no they haven't please just kill them please (laughs) please make this joke go away permanently it's okay we're not gonna be upset about it um and but like the animation style is this massive, massive departure from what the normal movie looks like to the point where it takes you out of the film completely. And you're like, even if you're trying to hold on to the thread of the plot and you're any kind of enjoyment of it, the moment that that sequence happens, which lasts for a good six, seven minutes, uh, is just brutal to watch and you want it to go away. It looks like a child's watercolor, you know, animation, and it just does not work whatsoever. Well, and, uh, and the other thing about that sequence, too, and the reason why I was so confused was because, as you mentioned, the the sequence, the style of the sequence changes. So there was actually a short period of time that I was watching this sequence, and it might have been because I blanked for a minute and I missed something in the very beginning, but I was watching the sequence thinking that this was a flashback as to how maybe Red Hood came across Joker and Harley originally, and then, you know, something happened and they rose to the way they were. But... And then, but then all of a sudden, Batman shows up and says, "No, they have amnesia. This is they're they're just simple farmers." Now I'm like, wait, wait, wait what the hell is going on? And because again, usually anytime you're watching something like this and the style changes, it's because usually most of the time it's because you're watching a flashback. So that's what I was led to believe that this initially was, and then all of a sudden. Uh, again, Batman comes into the picture. You know that he's there. Red Hood, and he's telling Red Hood not to kill them. Uh, we'll take them home with us when the time comes. And I ended up liking that sequence even less. Yeah. Uh, well, you know what it was? There's two big key things that w- why this film also doesn't work. Batman is not Batman. Um, that moment alone, the world's greatest detective would never buy that ever. You know, he would say, nope. I totally don't believe this. Instead, you have the vigilante on the team that's a murderer, <laughs> you know, yeah. the, you know the, the DC equivalent of the Punisher kind of be like, no, don't do this. Don't be an idiot. This is the case. Let's just end this here and now. You know, they're going to come back and do something horrendous. Sure enough, what happens? But one of the other key things is early on in this film, uh, all of Batman's major tech and gadgets are destroyed that he, he brought in with him. And he's just like, you know, what am I going to do? I don't have any of my technology. I, I can't be Batman without them. I'm like, since when? This happens to you <laughs> all the time where you don't have anything or you're just Bruce Wayne and have to survive on pure instinct. You're like supposed to be this perfect kind of weapon against crime. And you're like, boo hoo, my, you know, my Batmobile exploded. And I'm like, yeah, how many times has that happened? 40, <laughs> maybe 50 in the course of two years? I mean, come on, man. I'm like, this was. It was just there There were so many weird choices, but Batman never felt like Batman until just close to the very end of this film. And that was what was so bizarre about it. Uh, I just, I, I'm sorry. I'm just, I just love your whole since when? Because <laughs> <laughs> it's the truth. It, it's it, well, it's there were so many things that just took you out of out of what this was. And it, it was very just mentally baffling um, and, and, and very confusing. 
on how a lot of this broke down. So yeah, it was it was it was a tricky one. Uh, but I'm sure there's a moment that you really want to get to uh, near the end. <laughs> yes. So of course I'm I'm not again. I mentioned I'm not too familiar with anime. It's not it's not a style. But there there's definitely one trope that a lot of anime falls into. And I've already mentioned a couple of things. You know, I mentioned Mighty Morphin Power Rangers. I mentioned Voltron, and that is the trope of the. Uh, the coming together to form the giant entity. It's happened so many times. I think, like, uh, is it, I think Gundam is like that too, is it not? Uh, uh Gundam, Gundam is, they, they're just mechs. Uh, okay. They're, right. they're mechs that turn into planes. Like, it, it's, it's, you know, Macross and Robotech and all that stuff. But Gundam doesn't really do this much. They're more just, hey, these are just giant mechs that duke it out. Like, okay. Macross is more the transformation stuff. So. Okay. But yeah, so, you know, I mentioned Mighty Morphin Power Rangers was attached to the Megazord, and then Voltron is, you know, all of them coming together. Um, so it, uh, I'm watching this, and at one point when I mentioned Arkham Castle and the giant hand that comes out, I, I had a thought in the back of my head. I'm like, okay, this is weird, but this could also be something else. And then you get towards the end of the film, and Grodd is, it's all of the villains, like Penguin and Two-Face, they're all coming together in their own respective castles uh you know to fight grod and knock grod out of arkham castle so that joker could be back in there and as i'm watching this battle i'm thinking to myself oh good god if these castles come together to form a zord of some kind i'm i'm done like i'm completely done with this movie and then all of a sudden they come together and they form a giant zord so I'm already really done at this point, and I'm thinking, okay, this can't get any more ridiculous than it already is. Oh God! What then happens it does. next? Oh a my group, God! A group of monkeys come together to form a giant Zord. Not okay. even a Zord. It was a giant monkey. Yeah, it, they formed a giant monkey out of millions of monkeys they in came samurai together, armor. They came together to form a giant pop vinyl monkey. Yeah, it was like a giant pop figure versus a mech. And I'm like, oh, my God, please don't so, do this. So I was right. It can't get any more ridiculous. At this it point, does. At this it point, it does. really can't get any more ridiculous. I'm even wrong again. As this time, bats come into the picture. Billions of bats probably at this point to form a giant Batman in which around the, the monkeys. In, yeah. in, in, well, no, because now the monkeys are the utility belt. Well, no, it was it was they they fused all together. It was like a weird conglomeration of monkeys and bats create what looks like the 1940s Batman. And I'm like, oh, God, no. But like <laughs> well, I, if you can pause there for a second, let's rewind just a little bit before okay. the bats come in, because the giant mech with all the villains, because like, first off, before we even get to the full mech, all of the other people's castles, when you're like, oh, God, they're all going to turn into robots <laughs> and, and, and mechs. And I'm like, oh, of course they did, because that's a great thing. And you have a dumb, like, Japanese metal track that just doesn't work at all in this movie that starts blaring when this happens. And I'm like, oh, God, no. <laughs> so and I got to preface this. My wife watched the back half of this with me and she was huge in anime. She used to go to this one of the biggest anime conventions for years and years and years every year in Baltimore, Maryland, called Otakon. Uh, it's the second biggest anime con next to Anime Expo. And she's watching this. She's like, this is garbage. She's like, how do you, why are you making me watch this? I'm like, I have to review it. And she's like, well, she's like, I feel bad for you and anybody that has to watch this. <laughs> and I'm like, probably just me and Ben. Yep. Um, but so 
the giant mech has a giant flamethrower. And there's a very disturbing moment where it blasts into the monkeys and you just see them like melting away. I'm like, they're killing millions of monkeys yeah. and they're just melting. And I'm like, this is disturbing. Like brutally, brutally disturbing. And then the bats come in and I'm like, and then it just gets cheesy again. So it goes from really dumb, giant mech, even stupider, to Oh my god, there's a giant monkey pop vinyl figure fighting the mech. <laughs> now all the monkeys are being burned alive. Now we have all these bats form around us and make a giant 1940s Batman and we have a continued fight. And I'm like, and then I'm looking at it and I pause I literally paused the movie and I'm like, oh god, there's 20 minutes to go. And I'm like, why? <laughs> so <laughs> well, and not only that, and the other thing, like, I realized as I was watching this is, as I mentioned earlier on, there's that whole scene with Arkham Castle where there's that huge hand that comes out. And that's what led me to believe that, okay, Arkham Castle is a part of a, a is part of a Zord. It's not even the hand of the Zord. So why the hell does this castle have a giant hand in it to begin with? I have no idea. It's just, like, I mean, come on. Like, this is absolutely ridiculous yeah it was it was not good <laughs> I, and i think at this point in the movie my brain was already so numb that i was i was able to finish the movie it was uh it was the john mulaney quote this pops in my head well this might as well happen <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's pretty much the case so yeah. yeah i mean i don't really we spent a lot more time on that than i thought we were going i to. had a feeling we were because when we brought it up and i was like i i just i don't know how to not talk about all the atrocities that this film brings to the table um it's rare that i would give something a two and when i give something a two i'm definitely gonna go into full details <laughs> but i mean like again there was some there was a couple really good fight sequences i will not lie i will say that's the reason it's not a one um but uh it, it was nowhere even the the few good fight sequences were definitely not enough to save this. No, um, it was it was it was ludicrous. It was a, it was a even if you love anime, it's it, it's hard to enjoy this. I really generally don't understand if people could, but if you do and you enjoyed it and it's your cup of tea, man, go for it. But my 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 uh, ranking stands at a two. Uh, it was just a weird, weird, weird movie, and I will never watch this again. No, uh, now that it's been done, I, I will never have to go back to it, and I'm okay with that. I'm absolutely okay with that. Uh, all right, let's jump into now. Let's talk a little bit about Death of Superman, because uh, we still have a lot of news to go over. Too. Yeah, uh, I, I, I've got maybe 40 minutes, so. Okay, yeah, so I, I, this is one that we both enjoyed, so I don't think... God, I'm never going to say this shouldn't take long again because. Oh, you, when I you told me, you're like, oh, we'd be done in 40 minutes. I'm like, no, we won't. Because <laughs> no, we just so. spent almost 40 minutes just on on Batman Ninja. Um, we did. We're almost an hour into the podcast already. Uh, so at, going into Death of Superman, I, I'll bring up my point of view and then I'll let you talk a little bit more about yours. And again, when I mentioned my review, this is something that I, I knew they kind of adapted to the current uh characters that we got but death of superman holds th the original comic run which was a, a three-part thing which don't get me wrong i loved watching all the the post-credit scenes knowing what's coming next uh because and I'm, i know i'm jumping to the end but there's going to be another chapter of this and it's going to be superboy man of steel eradicator and cyborg superman so i'm i'm really excited about that but this whole original storyline of the death of Superman, 
holds such a very special place for me because it goes way back to when I remember actually reading comic books. I was a big Superman fan then, so to read the death of my favorite Superman character really hit me. And one, as a kid, it hit me hard because I was losing a character. Because at that time in my life, I didn't realize, oh, he's going to be back. Like, it's, I didn't know how comic books worked. I just knew Superman is dying. I'm never going to read another Superman comic again, even though the comics continued on. And he came back within a matter of a couple months. He was back to life. So, you know, you have the death of Superman. You have, um, uh, funeral for a friend, which was the next step, which is what we're going to be getting in this animated series, which they've set up already. And then you have the, uh, which is uh, the, also the reign of Superman, which happened afterwards. And that's what eventually leads to Superman coming back. I liked this version of Death of Superman with, you know, these current day, you know, with Cyborg Superman, uh, with Cyborg, Flash, Wonder Woman, uh, Green Lantern. These are all characters that were not a part of the original Death of Superman storyline. The original Death of Superman storyline was Blue Beetle, Booster Gold. It was basically Justice League International. Yeah, Guy Gardner was a big part of it. You know, yeah. it was, yeah, you know, you had, uh, I think, what was it, Bloodhawk? I can't remember his name, uh, which was we found out later was Martian Manhunter. Just different look. Um, yeah, there was, or, or Bloodwing, I think it maybe it was. It was... Um, Guy Gardner, Blue Beetle, Booster Gold, Maxima, Fire, Ice, and Bloodwind. Bloodwind. And yeah. Well, yeah, Bloodwind, we found out, yeah, is Martian Manhunter later. Yep. Yeah, but you also had uh, Supergirl was a part of this, was a part of the storyline. Ga- um, Guardian was a part of the storyline because that's uh, because Doomsday came from Cadmus, not from space. Lex Luthor was a big part of it, but he wasn't nearly as big of a big part of it as they made him in this. Um, so again, I kind of understand everything that they did with it to adapt it into what we know now. I think I would have enjoyed this more if they would have made this more traditional in the sense of like, this is a comic book adaptation. This is a, this is a film, which is a direct comic book, adap- uh, a direct film adaptation of the comic book. Kind of like when they did Frank Miller's Dark Knight yes, um, storyline, where it was almost 1-1. Yeah. I would have enjoyed it more that way. And there's a part of me that kind of doesn't understand why they didn't do it that way. Like, I understand kids nowadays, they know this current, uh, you know, this current cast of characters. So they adapted the storyline to be for that, probably to make it more family friendly and then more fan friendly for the current fans. But for traditionalists like myself, who, you know, watch, who still watches these films, there's a part of me that would have much rather this had been more traditional and more to the original book and original story than what we got. Right. No, I do definitely understand that completely. Uh, Not to to mention the fact that I was just going to say not to mention the fact it would have been awesome seeing an animated series with the traditional Guy Gardner, you know, Lantern and Blue Beetle and the Blue Beetle that we knew reading the comic books, not the Blue Beetle that we got now. You know that right. we have now. Seeing Booster Gold in, a, in an animated series would have been awesome. Seeing yeah, see, Maximum yeah. Fire and Ice would have been amazing. Yeah, yeah. You know, uh, characters I, that we have never seen in animated series yet. Yeah, I think it would have been cool. I mean, we've got to see a couple of them in a few places in the past, but very few of them. Um, you know, I think we, we definitely got Fire and Ice back in the old Justice League Unlimited series, but uh, and we got Booster Gold, but we we never saw a Ted Cord Blue Beetle. You know, that would have been amazing to see. I can't uh, recall know. seeing Maxima at any point. Right, yeah. Uh, and so, Maxima yeah, but, is a huge part of that story. Right, she is and, basically the Wonder Woman of that story. 
Right. And I, I think what they did here, though, was actually it worked well, though, still. I think the adaptation, I think, functioned perfectly. And I think they actually added some some really fun weight to the story in uh, adding a section of the story that never existed before, but works really well in this current DC Universe animated timeline uh, where they continue to show because like, we you know, at the beginning of this, we knew. You know, Wonder Woman and Clark dated just like they did in mm-hmm. the new 52 run. Uh, and, you know, they eventually called it called it quits. But, you know, Clark and Lois always are kind of that connection that has to happen. But at this point in time, Lois not knowing that Clark is Superman and the way that they tied that into this storyline was really kind of fantastic. I really thought it added some weight to the death uh, when you had Lois finding out that Clark was Superman right before he went into the fight. Um so when it came down to it and he's struggling to kind of, you know, continue on and continue through the fight and kind of take Doomsday out, uh, Lois kind of like, you know, I, I'm, I'm in love with this guy. I, you know, I'd rather sacrifice myself than watch him die. Uh, and that's kind of the last push he needs. It added weight to the death sequence and that classic iconic shot from the death of Superman where you see Lois holding Clark where he's dead in the middle of the street. Um, and I think that whole sequence and how they made that work that added s- some beautiful weight and beautiful, a uh, beautiful story element to something that didn't exist in the original. Versus no, it, that, that actually did exist in the original. It's, it's done a different way, but there's actually, cause I remember the frame. You have to remember, I th- this, yeah, yeah, yeah. that original is so etched in my head. I still have it. Like it's one of the original comics. I still have is that black cover death of Superman. And it's, there, there is a frame in that because I remember it distinctly where Jimmy and Lois are very, are too close to the action. Doomsday does start to proceed and Superman actually comes out of the rubble. And it, it's that classic still of Superman behind Doomsday literally punching him in the back. Oh, yeah. Um, oh, no, st- I know that. I yeah. know the shot. I'm saying I'm saying more along the lines of him unveiling being. Superman. Oh yeah, because at, in the in the original Death of Superman comic, Lois had already known who Clark was. They yeah, they were. I think they were already married at that point. They were. Already. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, but I think in in this timeline, it, that that story of the reveal happening in this film before that big fight. I think added something really cool to it that I'm like, that's a cool way to do that. That's a cool way to get everybody up to speed faster um, with all this. So I'm really, I was very pleased with that. I thought that that added a nice, nice layer to this storyline that didn't exist beforehand. Um, where originally, again, I, I'm a big fan of that story too. Um, you know, where that was more of kind of doomsday dismantling Justice League International, like you know, yeah. person by person, and going from all the outcropping cities towards Metropolis. It was every book leading up to that was one city, then the next city, and then oh, next. It was, it was a watching mass- these members just fall. And it was a it, massive DC crossover at the time. Yeah, and it was a, such an amazingly wonderful, iconic story that we all think about. Like, that and Nightfall were, were huge for so many of us uh, getting into comics as, as kids. Um, but I, I do think that they did a great job still kind of highlighting uh, the characters that exist currently, and I think they portrayed them well. They g- gave some fun levity with characters like, you know, the Flash when he could. They weren't afraid to have some heavy gore in this, too, that Doomsday really did. Like the first time we see him in that containment suit uh, in the camp, uh, you know, like where he kills the bear instead of, you know, the iconic scene. I think you and me probably remember very clearly is that him standing in front of the deer and just crushing the thing yeah. in, in the comics. Uh, but it, it they, there was a lot of great parallels 
including the dismantling of the current crop of, of the team uh, leading up to it, where you see kind of Flash just kind of pulling bodies off the field, kind of saving everybody, you know. So they did a great job nodding to the original story and what happened to a lot of people, uh, just different characters. But I think it worked. But um, one of the things I want to get your take on is what did you think about the reveals of the characters that will become the Eradicator, uh, you know, Superboy, you know, Steel and Cyborg Superman? Well, so it one of the things I, I did going into this was wa- at, when I was watching it again. I don't want this to come across that I didn't enjoy this. I actually really did enjoy this version of it. And I think one of the things that got me more excited for anything was seeing those reveals. Because uh, at the time that I was watching this, I, I don't think it's ever been announced yet that there's going to be another part to this. You have it was. to. Oh, okay. I don't remember. Yeah. I don't. Rem- we might have covered it in the news, and I just, I just blanked from my mind. It was quite a while back when they when they made the announcement. So, but I mean, when you have a death of Superman animated movie, you kind of have to assume that they're going to have to follow it up at some point. So, I- I'm watching. You know, everything happen. I'm watching everything play out, and you know, we see the funeral, and we see at the very end, Jimmy go to Lois and say, "You have to see this." They go out, they see the empty casket, and they see Superman flying above, or you're led to believe it's Superman flying above. So I continued to watch, and you know, the credits ran, and then you see that first cut clip, and it's literally Superboy coming out of a containment unit, grabbing a jacket, and walking out, and my excitement started to build. Oh yeah, my like, excitement you know, really I started love, to build. I love that you didn't see the face; you just saw him pick up a leather jacket hanging on a hook, and I'm like, oh yes, yeah. And I'm like, oh my god, we're gonna get Connor Kent finally in the animated series, and like, or in this this new world. And I'm like, that made me so just excited. And um, then yeah, and then you see the next scene is I can't remember if the next one was John Henry or it's if John it was, Henry Irons okay. in, in, in kind of his basement making just, the S shield and. Yes. Like for steel and and my excitement got even bigger and then like the credits roll and halfway through then you see Hank Henshaw flying through space. Towards well, no, that Earth. was the that was the final one. Well, yeah, that was the stinger. I said mid credits. Uh, no, no, that was that was literally right before the the S shield at the very end. That was at the end of the credits. There was one more that came after John Henry Irons, and that was the the version that came out of the coffin going and creating its own. Um, uh, Fortress of Solitude, which was the, oh, erad- yeah, yeah, the eradicator. Yeah. Yep, yep. And then at the very end, because you don't see the faces of the first three, and mm. then at the very end of the credits, you see the cyborg Superman who looks awesome. Oh, he looks so good. Flying towards the screen, and then you just see the the bloody red S, and it and it and it goes out. Yeah, and like I love the fact that they they nodded to things too really nicely. So when you meet John Henry Irons at Cadmus, um, or was it Star Labs? I can't remember. I think it's Star Labs. Star Labs uh, that he's he's working with you know uh, Silas Stone. You know he, he's working with Vic's dad there, but he's just like, hey, you know, uh, you know, I've met you before, Clark. You know, uh, it was at a you know it was a uh, what was it? It was a like the the uh, it's like the Foundry or something like that, which is yeah. ba- back in the comics where. 
he almost got killed when uh, I think, a, a, you know, there was a building that fell and collapsed and Superman saved him. So I love that they nodded to that. I, I love they bring up the Eradicator during a news story with, you know, Lois and uh, Lois and Superman, where he said, this is the pod and this is the system. And it shows the Eradicator kind of is essentially kind of this fountain of information for Clark to learn about, you know. Uh, which was really cool. I really like that. I love when we get to Hank Henshaw, it's astronauts in space. And he's just like, oh, you know what? Like, I think even though things going wrong the way that they are right now, don't worry, Superman's going to save us. Uh, you know, I love they they had all those little moments. And I even love the smallest little touch without having to do a massive convoluted story of Lex Luthor. When you see him going out and about in public wearing the red wig that we see from when we see that clone of Lex from that comic book series at that yeah. time. That was very involved with Supergirl when we had the the super weird version of Matrix she was, Supergirl. She was she was protoplasm. Yeah, she was shape shift and yeah, it yeah. was Matrix yeah, Matrix Supergirl. Yeah, so yeah. it was so. But we, I love the fact that they're like, nope, it's just a wig. But I, it, it was a perfect nod. It was kind of like, hey, we know that there's this big story that happens around this. There's no way we can squeeze this into this film. But here's a nod for the fans that remember this, like yeah. that red wig and the beard and all. And I'm like, that's really kind of cool. Now, I think they lovingly touched upon things that a lot of us hold near and dear. Yeah. Now, there, there's two other things I wanted to bring to your attention. and Well, not to your attention, but I want to get your take on as well. Because uh, one of them is one I want to see if you remember. Because there is something in this, in this movie <clears throat> that is literally ripped right out of the original story. And I, it was... It hit me so hard in my heart that I was like, okay, I, I this is a moment that absolutely made me love this movie. But before I get to that, there, you know, there's a very key story that's going to happen later on in that one of the things that happens during the reign of Superman is Jonathan Kent has his heart attack. Mm -hmm. It's very pivotal to the story of, of Superman, uh, whether it happened in some instances, like the Christopher Reeves, it happens before Clark becomes Superman in the comic book or that version of the comic book. It happens afterwards uh, because in some instances he doesn't survive. And in this one, he kind of doesn't survive, but is brought back by Clark because mm -hmm. um, there's that whole sequence where the two of them are kind of together after Jonathan Kent has passed. And Jonathan Kent actually ends up coming back around the same time as Superman does. I don't think that's anything they're going to do. I don't know if no. they're going to do that or not when they come to think this. Probably not because it just it's it's such a heavy element and they have so much to do because there's a big question in all of this is when they do the Reign of Superman story, are we going to see this are we gonna see this start of em Emerald Twilight? Because when this whole thing goes down, man, Green Lantern goes goes a little bonkers. Uh, during the Reign of Superman story. Uh, that's the beginning of Parallax. You know, yeah. there's a lot that happens right around now in the comic books that tie really heavily into it. So I'm kind of hoping that that comes into a part of this and we're going to see Mongol show up in the next part and we're going to see Parallax kind of start and we're going to see, you know, uh, Nathan Fillion get to ready to take on th that Emerald that Emerald Twilight story next. And I would love to see that all tied together. That I, would I would be too. something phenomenal, and um, that would be the next best move for this series. So. Now, one of the other things I hope for, too, before I go, I go into that moment I was mentioning before, I think it would be really cool if, since it was something we did not get in Justice League, the film, um, we're going to see the mulleted black suit version of Superman. Uh, I don't know if we're going to see the mullet, but I think we're definitely going to get the black suit. I think the black suit would be awesome. I, I think I, it was something I know they filmed it for Justice League, but we never got it. So uh, I want to see it one way or another. I want to see the black suit return. 
Yeah. Because I thought it was something that was always really cool. Because let's not forget, when Superman came back, he didn't know how to, he, he, he didn't have his flying ability. And not only was he in a black suit and had a mullet, he used guns. Yeah. <laughs> which was very odd for Superman. But I, he had to do what he needed to do to survive and to fight back. It was extreme Superman. That's why, because it was yes. '90s. Everything had to be extreme. Yeah. So. Now, the moment I wanted to, I wanted to bring up, and I want to know if this is something that you remember, and if this is something that kind of hit you the same way. But you know, again, <clears throat> death of Superman, reign of Superman, funeral for a friend. It, it's something that's still to this day very nostalgic. And just talking about all this again, I need to go back and reread it because it's been probably over a decade since I've read it, and I, I've. When we're done with this, I'm literally going to that site that we use to get it and to read it. I still have my trade, my long box in the other I room, still have so. mine, too, but I just don't like touching them. Uh, so I, I, you know, because they're boarded up and I am i don't know if I want to take them. Maybe I will. Maybe for nostalgia's sake, I will uh, actually bring them up. Comics are meant to be read, not to sit in bags. That's so. very, Even very Grant true. Morrison th- said that. So <laughs> that's very, very true. And you know what? I have the graphic novel of everything together, too. So screw it. I'm just going to read that. Yeah, because uh, I have the individual comics bagged and boarded but i also have the graphic novel of everything so that's what i'm gonna read uh, forget it i don't have to download it um there's a moment I, I he's been a very familiar character with a lot of people but a lot of people don't remember that when it comes to death of superman there is a character who's very prevalent throughout everything more so than he usually is and that is bibbo babowski oh i loved what they did with him in this there is a moment at the end of this and the line is literally straight out of the comic book. It's Bibbo on the dock. And I'm going to misquote it. I know I am. But it's him re- thinking back and being mournful that Superman is dead. And he is saying to himself, why is it that you would take a good man like him when a poor sailor like me gets to keep going? Yeah. And... Man, that hit me because uh, they, that they, took me they, yeah. right back to the original comic. And they honestly did a really beautiful job with that version of, of Bibbo Babowski. It was great to see him in this and them really doing his character right. They did a really great job of getting who he was down. Like he had an obsession with him because he he really cared about him. Like he 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 understood how important Superman was to the city of Metropolis, all this stuff. And they got this got it right. I, I think. They never went over the top with him, and Bibbo is a character that, if you did it wrong, would be very over the top, but they played him just perfectly. He was right on the edge of sometimes being too extreme, but that's the character. That was the character perfectly. It was to the T, and it's because it's setting up that moment. It's setting up a moment where you're like, it's he's not a fanatic. He actually really cared, Uh, and it's that's what made it special, and I think they really achieved what they needed to achieve, but I mean, all around, I would say, you know, Death of Superman Part One. This was fantastic. They did was, such a good job, and this. I'm really kind of wishing I watched Batman Ninja first and then watched this. Unfortunately, oh, I, I did do it the other way around. I so. did. That's the way I watched it. So, yeah, so, uh, and it, it's again. I, I know I gave it a high hero, borderline legend, and the only reason why I did that is because I would have. There's just a part of me that would have much rather this been the more traditional death of superman from the comics that we knew like a a comic book adaptation a movie adaptation of the comic of the original comics i understand why they adapted it and i and what they did with it and the adaptation that they made i did really enjoy and i'm even more excited for the next version after seeing those credit stingers and knowing what we're gonna get um 
so my my high hero doesn't mean I didn't enjoy it. I I did. I enjoyed it very much. Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, cool. So that's gonna wrap it up for those two. Uh, movie reviews we would love to know what you guys think so please feel free to message us or uh, comment on the post when you see this pop up and which you'll have seen it pop up what before you even listen to this so mm-hmm. sometimes I get my timelines confused <laughs> but <laughs> yeah right. we want we want to hear your opinion of that facebook.com slash DC primetime let's talk about the news okay oh, <laughs> here we go all right so I'm going to try to do this as quick as I can I'm going to save the big one for the end because that's what we might talk about the heaviest but we're going to skim through these pretty quickly because I am super short on time. Uh, but one of the first things we'll talk about is a show I'm not quite sure what any of us think about quite yet. But they have announced officially Pennyworth, the TV series, uh, is rumored to begin production again. It's not going to be called year. Alfred? Ah, oh, no, no, unfortunately <laughs> not. Uh, it sounds like fall or winter is when it's going to start shooting. It's, it was given a 10-episode straight-to-series order in May. Uh, it's going to be set in 1960s Lond- uh, London following a young Alfred Penny- Pennyworth uh, as he serves as a former British SAS office, uh, soldier and you know forms a secret company and joins forces with Thomas Wayne. So we are going to see that. Um, this is actually produced by Bruno Heller, who everybody knows very well from Gotham and, uh, Danny Cannon as well. So, uh, very curious to see how this is going to play out. Uh, so, um, you know, this could be something pretty unique and interesting, but it's a big wait and see. So, uh, but yeah, uh, sounds like fall or winter, uh, jumping over to arrow. Uh, there's a couple small things going on. Uh, we did see the fact that, uh, they, the cast is already meeting it for table reads already. Colton Haynes also announced that uh, he's going to be back in with the rest of the cast filming on the regulars starting in July. So we know he is already back in fighting shape. Uh, and he was saying that he was so thrilled. He just did his first con appearance in quite some time. So he said he was pumped. Uh, and Amel has already posted a couple pictures of him uh, with shots of, uh, you know, Emily Peck Records. And, you know, uh, I, oh, my God, what's his name? He plays Curtis. Uh, oh, Echo Cullum. Uh, and I think... Uh, you know, John Ramsey all together, just uh, kind of prepping. Uh, David so, Ramsey. Yeah, David Ramsey. Sorry, sorry. <laughs> um, but and he's uh, got it, and he's got the beard going, man. He does. He the does. Beard's um, gonna look awesome. So he did say a couple things. Mel came out and spoke a little bit. A couple fans were asking very clearly if uh, his time at Slabside Prison is this going to be a couple episodes, like two or three? And all he said right on his Instagram is false. Uh, sounds like he's going to be stuck in there for potentially much longer this season uh, than we anticipate or expect. Um, and they, a couple of people said, you know, again, span of three episodes. False could mean it could just be one episode. He's in slab side. So we all remember Flashpoint. So it's a big wait and see. But my guess is he's probably going to be in there for for a fair amount of time. My guess, five, six episodes before we see him back on the streets of Star City. Uh, in addition to that, though, uh, we do know the official season seven premiere, uh, the title of the episode, which is going to be inmate four five. Uh, oh, my God, it's really hard to read because it's super tiny. <laughs> um, inmate four, five, eight, seven uh, is the official title of episode one for season seven. Uh, but something interesting that came out really quickly today, Amel said, keep your eyes on things for Monday. There is going to be an he said a major announcement from him. 
happening on Monday that he is excited to tell everybody about. So uh, nobody quite knows what it is. Uh, it's not necessarily Arab related or uh, related to the DC universe in any way, shape or form. Could be hmm. something about a new company he's working with or something he's a new project or a new film he's doing. So big wait and see. But it sounds like he said early uh, this coming week would be announced. So. I have a, I have a feeling um, if anything, I think this might be Code 8 related. Uh, I would not be surprised if it has yeah. to do with Code 8 and maybe a release. So, yeah. <clears throat> Uh, some new information has come out about Black Lightning and just kind of going through. Uh, it sounds like we have a couple new characters joining. The first is Perenna, described as an open ethnic character uh, in her early 40s or 50s. Uh, and she's going to be a telepathic metahuman. Uh, she's going to be a therapist who will, who will help Jefferson Pierce understand and come to, to come to terms uh, or no, sorry, Jennifer Pierce uh, come to terms with her powers. Uh, then the next other character we have is Zalvik, uh, who is a uh, Caucasian real estate developer in his 30s, said to be teaming up with Tobias Whale. He's distri- described as being of Eastern European descent and isn't afraid to get violent when it comes to payback. Uh, so, like I said, a couple of new characters then joining into the mix. Uh, we already mes- mentioned last uh, last episode, Dr. Jace, who's going to become the new president of the high school as well. So very kind of curious to see some of the new things coming into play for this coming season of Black Lightning, but it sounds like a whole bunch of new heroes and villains joining the fray. Uh, we got quite a bit of news this uh, this past week about Titans and some of the things coming up, but uh, Minka Kelly confirms uh, some interesting information coming up. She is going to be the one playing Dawn Granger, a.k.a. Dove of Hawk and Dove fame, uh, stating that this show indeed will be out this fall. Uh, which kind of goes against uh, some of the things we were hearing originally that the sh- the streaming app was going to be coming out um, near the very end of uh, the year, kind of closer to the end of November. So uh, that makes a lot of people question if maybe this means some of the episodes of Titans will be in for anybody that signs up for the beta. We'll get into that in a few minutes about the DC Universe streaming app. But my guess is this is kind of misinterpreted because they may be viewing November is still part of fall versus. I was, I was just going to say November is still technically fall. So it just depends on which part of November it's released, essentially. So but my guess is it's still November for the full release of Titans. So it's a wait and see. Uh, but speaking of uh, Dove specifically, it sounds like there are going to be some in- interesting changes to her characters. Uh, uh, Minka did say this. She's like she has a background in ballet, in gymnastics and jujitsu. So she is fairly talented. She's like, so I can fight and I have a super suit and I have the wings. The wings themselves are 30 pounds that I wore. So I cannot. My, the character does not fly even though that they're there. It's realistic as possible. Uh, she's like, I can't fly because, again, not realistic and that's not the way it's going to function. Dove is a real person. She has wings, but she uses them as a shield and as a weapon. She'll take people under her wings and use them to protect them, but also use them to slice people when she's in the middle of a fight. The fighting, we all have our individual specific styles in the team. In particular, Dove's is like a dancer. So it sounds very, very interesting, but it sounds like this Titan show is going to be partially grounded but we do know we have metahumans in the mix as well so it sounds like the human characters will be fighting more in a human mindset versus kind of the over-the-top tech um that doesn't fall totally in place so they're still trying to make it slightly believable but with aliens as well so um kind of interesting on how they're doing that so i kind of am more interested on how that's going to play out um in addition to this, we did find out the episode titles for the 13 episodes. 
Uh, one of them actually adds a character that we only knew and had rumbled, uh, rumblings that were going to be into this. So episode one will be called Titans. Episode two is called Hawk and Dove. Episode three is titled Starfire. Episode four is titled Rachel. Uh, for those of you that don't know, that's uh, you know a nod to uh, Raven. Episode five will be the Doom Patrol. Episode six is called The Messenger. Episode seven will be called Jason Todd. Episode eight, Angela, which we're not quite sure on who that's to, like tilting towards yet. Episode nine, Donna Troy, which is very exciting. Episode ten, Hank and Dawn, which again, Hawk and Dove again, uh, Hank, uh, Hank Hall, and then uh, Dawn Granger. And then episode 11, Coriander. Episode 12, Dick Grayson. Episode 13, Raven. So uh, very interesting to see what things had to come up with on that. So um, I'm wondering, I'm wondering though, if if this is going to be, you know, we know the titles of these. I don't necessarily think these are going to be the episodes in which we're introduced to these characters. I just think it's going to be their backstories. Yes, I'm pretty sure that's exactly what we're going to get here. Uh, now, uh, like I said, there was a cute little poem also that came out just the other uh, other day from Britain Thwaites as they kind of wrapped up everything. Uh, for Titans themselves, and uh, he sent a little poem to everybody, plus a little guitar pick, because apparently he is uh, quite a big musician. So uh, so the po- poem, which I thought was kind of cute, was this. He's like, babies and fire and a little guitar, and dealing with creatures from a little too far. Cold wind, long nights, and hundreds of directors. Oh shite, oh shite, from darkness comes light. From adversity, opportunity, from a burnt down set, an additional week, oh shite. Your blood, sweat, and tears will make the show fly like a robin or a raven or, and then it says, enter bird here. And it says, thanks <laughs> to you, the 2018 Toronto crew. And he actually put a the classic comic book Titans logo on a guitar pick. Uh, and then it said, a dick pick from me to you. Uh, the Spiritual Warriors, Brent, uh, and then it says, love Brent. So I thought it was kind of cute. But uh, uh, so that was kind of something kind of unique and interesting. But in addition to that, we found out something else kind of cool this week. So we all expected that uh, Trigun would be making a big appearance and that Raven would be the big focal point of the season. Well, it sounds like Seamus uh, Deaver will be playing the villainous Trigun, which makes that all the more interesting. So pretty excited to see because uh, he was a wonderful actor on Castle. So uh, very happy to see him actually a part of this. And we they kept that fairly quiet, which was pretty cool. Um, so, yeah, um, sounds like Titans is uh, going to be with us sooner than than uh than it seems so just a couple months away so five shows for a short period of time and then we're boosted up to six yeah <laughs> i i'm still excited so uh, i am too j- jumping over to legends of tomorrow uh jess mckellen actually uh, made some something uh interesting statement that i thought was pretty cool so apparently her initial tr- attempt to join the arrowverse was actually earlier on than when she appeared as ava sharp she originally auditioned to play dinah drake so that was kind of interesting kind of thing to take. So nothing really more to that. But uh, she did say, I tested for the role and auditioned like crazy and wanted the role, respectively, because it's super physical. And she's uh, she's kind of a, uh, kind of super and a badass and has every one of those fighting skills. Um, I think she's a beautiful human being inside and out. And I also love Wentworth Miller. I think uh, he's lovely and such a nice guy. Uh, I think he is gone for good, though, from what it sounds like. Uh, you know, he's such a lovely human and has such a wonderful fan base. So I'm happy I had an ch- opportunity to work with him really quickly on Legends. Uh, although I wish I would have had more time with him uh, in the Arrowverse. So, uh, but just a nice little nod there for everybody. Um, so it sounds like if we jump to the movie side of the world, uh, one of the things that's really kind of interesting is we've got a ton of Birds of Prey information coming out. Um, so it sounds like it, the filming is going to begin in 2019. Sounds like earlier than later. Uh, we did find out a couple interesting things, though, too. It said, uh, you know, that 
Birds of Prey is going to be different from all the other DC films. We did find out officially that the film is going to be a smaller budget than previous DC films. But also, this will be DC uh, the DC Universe's very first R-rated movie. Uh, so they did say officially Birds of Prey will be R-rated. It sounds like as also officially that they are going to maybe make us up a few of the ethnicities for a few of the characters. But we do know officially that it sounds like previous reports are correct. The team is indeed being led by classic Barbara Gordon Batgirl, will involve Huntress and Black Canary and Harley Quinn in the film. So it's very curious to see how that's going to play. Margot Robbie also did go on to say that Harley will have several different looks in this film. And they're trying to pull away from the more sexualized versions of the character that they did in Suicide Squad and maybe making her a little bit more traditional to the comics. So uh, they said, but it will be several new looks for the character indeed. So. uh, Right. So uh, very, very much looking forward to seeing what they're going to do with this. I think the fact that it's the R rated version of this is going to be uh, super interesting. So I'm very curious. But it sounds like Lady Shiva is also rumored right now to be a part of this as well. All right, jumping into Aquaman. It sounds like uh, the Aquaman movie was going to fully appear uh, on Conan during uh, Comic-Con week. So they said, uh, keep your eyes out for it because the entire cast is doing a full huge thing on Conan O'Brien. So he said, you'll see Momoa and all of his co-stars during the event during that week. So I'm sure that'll be a fun little interview. And Comic-Con is about a week, a week or two away, right? Yeah, it's coming up really fast. Uh, something else interesting in this universe is also Deadpool 2's Louis Tan, a.k.a. Shatterstar, has apparently met with directors to play Nightwing. So Ooh. very curious. So, uh, you know, he did play Shatterstar. He was also in uh, the TV show Iron Fist as well. Uh, but he has been meeting with directors uh, very specifically about that film. So very curious to see how things are going to shape up and if Tan is the front runner currently for Dick Grayson on the big screen. So uh, not a bad choice, in my opinion. I think no, uh, not at all. He, he would be a really great choice. It's, uh, I think, um, kind of mixing it up a little bit uh, would work really well. And I think uh, Tan, especially his uh, his talent, for action sequences uh, fits that character pretty much perfectly. So uh, that's a great front runner. So uh, DC is also now rumored to focus purely on standalone films over crossovers in the future. So they said they wanted to shake, shake (laughs) things up, focus on their characters. And they said, if the crossovers are something that they want to look at down the road, maybe something they may consider doing, but they said right now, the focus is on films like, you know, Aquaman is a standalone film, wonder woman, 1984. Uh, then the other upcoming films that they're also working on in their slate currently like the flash. So they said that is purely the focus for right now. Uh, and they said very few crossovers, more standalone films. So is the goal. I, I th- so. And I, you know what? I think that is what's probably going to work best for them. Um, be, you know, because granted, you know, Man, uh, Man of Steel wasn't, in my opinion, wasn't as great as it could have been. <clears throat> and it was really their first foray into these this new DCEU. So, yeah, mistakes are going to be made. Kind of correct them as, as, as you go. Batman v Superman, I kind of enjoyed, but still was really weak with the critics and with the viewers. It was a crossover. Didn't work. Justice League, we enjoyed it a lot. Still fans out there that didn't. But you look at what standalone film that we got that really skyrocketed to the top was Wonder Woman. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm, I'm really looking forward to Aquaman, and I really want to see what they do with The Flash. Yeah. Um, also, something very odd and interesting in the DCEU. Um, LeBron James recently was 
hanging out with good old Marky Mark. And uh, there was a photo that leaked <laughs> out onto Instagram. Um, what is very, very odd is in the background of the shots, some people got really deep into some of the photos and that are hanging up behind this, you know, behind these shots. And they make out headshots of everybody in the DCEU um, that are set up in his office. And it's everybody in the DCEU. So all signs are pointing to Mark Wahlberg joining in. But it sounds like rumors are that he might be our Hal Jordan. Uh, I know some people are very terrified about this. And I'm kind of not. I'm actually not too concerned because he's done some amazing movies as well. Um, so... Very interesting to see what happens, but it sounds looks like he is in amazing shape right now. There's a couple of people that noticed very recently on new social media posts, his longer hair has been cut short. Um, and there has been some people stating there has been indeed discussions with him and Warner Brothers. So this very well could be our our uh, Hal Jordan for the foreseeable future. See, All I have to say is for people that are worried, go back and watch The Departed. Oh, my God. Yeah. Not, not, uh, not only The Departed, but Four Brothers is a fantastic movie. Dude, he's done a ton of great movies. So I, I'm not worried about this at all. I mean, we're not talking about The Village, Mark Wahlberg, because that was just a, or not The Village of uh, The Happening, Mark Wahlberg, because that was a horrible movie. But a lot of people, what I don't think they realize is that this was actually not a secret hint at Mark Wahlberg becoming Hal Jordan. This was a secret hint at LeBron James becoming the next steal. <laughs> Taking over for Shaquille O'Neal. Oh yeah, of course. <laughs> Get Judd Nelson back. What's he doing anyway? You know. <laughs> All right. Uh, so some other small pieces, real quick, before we get into the big one. Um, Warner Brothers has officially. If you go over to the Warner Brothers website, uh, you can now officially pre-order the. Gotham Under Siege Batman the Animated Series board game. We don't know very much about it. We know it's made by IDW uh, for one to five players. So apparently the game will take 45 to 60 minutes. We don't know too much else about it yet. Uh, my guess is head over to Board Game Geek. We do know this is indeed a miniatures game uh, and it's going to include a couple expansions down the road. We know I think it's 50 bucks as the entry price for the title uh, and the the uh, Actual miniatures look quite good, but we don't know exactly much about the play style yet. So uh, head over to Board Game Geek, search Batman the Animated Series Gotham Under Siege. There's probably the beginnings of a breakdown on there. And then if you're interested, make sure to head over to Warner Brothers Shop online and put your pre-order in there. So um, also, we just lost a passing of a major person in the comic books industry just the other yes. day uh, with uh, Steve Ditko. Now, Steve Ditko primarily is known for his work in helping to create uh, Spider-Man, who is a near and dear character to all comic book fans across the world. Uh, but in addition to that, uh, he did create some additional characters we just talked about. He was actually the creator of Hawk and Dove and one of my favorite characters that does never gets enough love, uh, the Creeper. Um, so, uh, you know, like I said, he has definitely put a beautiful spot and a beautiful, uh, you know, notations on the comic books industry and kind of changed the way that we look at things. But he's somebody that's really a big part of the reasons why things like the Watchmen were created because of some of the, his designs and ideas, uh, his work to the Charlton comic characters and, and their publishing history um, was actually one of the things that, you know, the Charlton characters is what inspired Alan Moore to create the Watchmen. So uh, if Ditko wasn't around, we would have never had stories like this. He also gave life to creator uh, characters like such as the question Captain Adam and the Ted Cord version of Blue Beetle. So a 
you know, somebody that is truly a wonderful, wonderful, uh, you know, person in the comics industry and a talent that is very, uh, you know, big shame to see that's no longer with us. So, all right, (coughs) let's close this out with the big one. DC Universe streaming service has fully been revealed. Uh, We don't know the price yet, but we can tell you this. We do know it's launching late fall, which, like I said, ties into early things that we mentioned earlier, which means more than likely late October, November timeline. Uh, We don't know pricing points on this yet, but we do know details about what will be included. Uh, One of the things that the start off is one of the smaller things. There will be exclusive and iconic brands that will be able to be sold only to members to DC streaming services. So there'll be unique Warner Brothers collectibles that you'll only be able to get through there, which is pretty cool if you're a collector. Uh, one of the other cool things that they're doing is this will also kind of be similar to Marvel Unlimited, and this will also include comic books. Uh, they did say it's not going to be their entire lineup, but there will be a rotating uh, you know, amount of selections of titles. They said that will be over in the thousands and that will constantly be adding to and rotating in and out through the service. The cool thing is you'll be able to use them not only on just your mobile devices like iOS, Roku, Android, but they said it'll also work on TVs. So you'll be able to watch comics on TV as well. So that may, whether it's going panel by panel, but that's pretty cool. One of the things they did say is when you watch certain shows or certain films, it will also show up and says these are comics related to what you just watched maybe even specific storylines. So they're actually even tying all that together as well. So if you finish watching something like the animated series, Batman under the red hood, the film, it'll give you the entire trade to read next and should be able to do directly on your device, which is pretty cool. We know they're also, like I said, as they mentioned before, they'll have a full lineup of classic television shows that'll be included in this. Uh, We did hear things like, uh, it sounds like Constantine will definitely be a part of this birds of prey, a show that, I know a lot of people don't enjoy. It's a guilty pleasure of mine, but the classic Flash will be in here. Sounds like Smallville will indeed be added into this at some point as well. That's cool. Uh, uh, We did not hear anything. It sounds like Batman 66 is still tied up in some uh, rights problems, so they made no mention of that will be included yet. We do know officially the CW shows will not be part of this streaming service whatsoever at this time. And And it sounds like they did go on and say after the Netflix contract expires, is when they'll probably be moving over to this service. But for the time being, those shows stay purely on Netflix because of contracts. Uh, but they did show uh, things such as Justice League, Justice League Unlimited, uh, Batman Beyond, uh, the Adventures of Superman animated series. They did mention things like the Legion of Superheroes, uh, Static Shock, all those shows going to be coming to this service, as well as tons and tons of the animated movies. They showed that they also mentioned that the original four Superman movies will be on here as well as additional to the classic Burton Batman films. Uh, they did show if you watch the trailer, it looks like we also saw the Dark Knight films in there and a couple of the other newer DC related films are all part of this. Um, we also got something interesting as well. Uh, they are also adding for the very first time HD versions of classic shows such as Wonder Woman and Batman the Animated Series for the first time ever in high def, uh, which is fantastic to hear that they're putting a lot of work into this. Obviously included in the show, and when the series launches, it will start with Titans, and then after Titans, I believe we are getting, um, I'm trying to remember, it's Young Justice is following up after that, followed by, I believe it is Harley Quinn, 
then Doom Patrol, then finally Swamp Thing is the order that the pro- projects will be coming out. They have a full detailed breakdown of rough timelines for most of those. Uh, I just highly suggest just head over to our page. You'll find links to check out all that stuff. I can't is, wait. I, I've already signed up for the beta. I really I did too. Uh, and if you haven't had an opportunity yet, if you follow the links on our website uh, on, uh, on Facebook, you'll see where you can check all that out and be able to pull up everything uh, where you can sign up for the beta. It, it Signing up to the beta does not guarantee you're getting into it. They usually select those people at random. Uh, but if you get in on the ground floor now, there's a higher chance you will indeed get into the mix and be able to do that. So that's pretty damn cool. Uh, but that wraps up the news for us for this episode. And cool. oh my God, I have two minutes left. Again, I have people walking into my house. So <laughs> all right, let's do some quick plugs and then we'll uh, ch- uh, recommendations, chip plugs, and we'll get the hell out of here. Uh, my recommendation for this week comes from the other camp, but I'll make this quick. Go see Ant-Man and the Wasp, especially if you like the first one. I know some people it's not that the first one wasn't their favorite, but this one... Um, I loved it. I thought it was so good. And Evangeline Lilly is amazing in this movie. She can absolutely carry her own film. Uh, like, as, easily. Uh, I'm, I'm kind of excited to see it. Uh, it's, I don't know if I'll get to the theater, but I am looking forward to, to giving that one a watch. So cool. Uh, but as for me, uh, I would say, honestly, if you do have access to VR, I can't highly recommend enough checking out Batman Arkham VR. It was one of the coolest experiences I've ever had with a video game. So. Nice. Uh, cheap plugs, and then we'll get the hell out of here. Uh, you can check out all of these podcasts as part of the Next Level Podcast Network, www.nextlevelradioonline.com, facebook.com slash nextlevelradioonline. Check us out on Facebook, facebook.com slash DC Primetime, which is where you can comment and such. Uh, uh, for this po- for this podcast in particular and of course you can leave us a voicemail uh 1-888-247-5380 is the number for the dc primetime voicemail that number again 1-888-247-5380 toll free in the u.s and canada and as for me you can always find me over at the caffeine crew cast of pods we are so behind and i'm, dry- <laughs> I'm losing my mind trying to find a way to get things together uh, but my guess, it sounds like not this Monday, but the following Monday is when we'll be recording our mythology podcast. Um, looking forward to that one. So we'll be looking at mythology through pop culture. And if you haven't checked out our last episode, that was the board game episode. Um, like I said, we will definitely be getting highly more back on track. It's turning into every two months instead of every month right now or every like six weeks, uh, which is not what I want right now. But we will we will get things sorted. Things have been crazy this summer. So, yeah. <laughs> so no, it's, uh, it's fine. It's understandable. Things happen. Life gets uh, in the way. And again, try putting together a podcast with six people <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> in person. No, no less. Yeah, um, it- so, but in addition to a uh, big special thanks to our good friend George Shaw at George Shaw Music. Uh, you can always check out his stuff at uh, georgeshawmusic.com. He offers his wonderful tunes to our show each and every week, with the exception Wait. of the upcoming five yeah. shows, which will be just, our I was, annual. I was just going to say, this will be the last show for a couple weeks in which you'll be hearing his music. So, mm-hmm. um, so. On that note, next episode, we begin our annuals for the summer. And I think, are we going to start with Black Lightning? Uh, yeah, let's start with Black Lightning, and then okay. we'll get into the uh, the traditional Arrowverse shows. So. Cool. Sounds good. So, yeah, so next episode, next time you hear us, we will be into our summer. Well, we're already into our summer shows, but we will be into our summer annuals, starting first with season one of Black Lightning. Black well, Lightning until, annual number one. That's right, man. Man, we've been doing these annuals for a while. I think this is the f- third summer. This will be summer. third summer. Third, third summer, summer annuals. Man. Yeah. Uh, But with that being said, enjoy the rest of your weeks, guys, and we'll see you guys around the bend. Take care. Peace.